Well, let's stand to our feet and let's dig in this text. Let's dig in this text, uh, first, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 6. We're going to deal with these six verses today. When you get there, say amen. 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 Well, I'm going to read verse 1. You know how we do, and then you keep on going. Let's go. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again, or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? Keep going. Amen. Um, in this uh, segment of our series, Keeping It 100, I want to talk about matters of the heart. We want to talk about today dealing with matters of the heart. Let's go before the Lord God. Father, we honor you and thank you uh, that you are into change. Uh, change is not something that scares you. Change is something that you promote. And God, I'm praying in Christ's name that we would see your promotional work in our life to change us more effectively, to look more like Jesus as primacy and priority and preeminent, Lord God. And so, God, I pray in the mighty name of Christ that you would be exalted today in this word and that there would be a commitment to hear your word. There would be a commitment to ingest your word. There would be uh, a commitment, uh, Lord God, to swallow your word and live it out in every single area of our lives, Lord God. And I'm praying that we would be lights in the world and in our city. God, I'm praying that we would be lights in our family, that our lives would be lived worthwhile based on the worthwhile value that Christ's death paid for it. And Lord God, uh, meet us here today by your power so that the Spirit of God can clarify and change and move us more effectively towards being chiseled into the might of Christ in our life. Let the words of my mouth, I need you, I need you, I need you in this. Uh, in preaching, I need you, I desperately need you. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, our strength and our Redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen, amen, amen. Uh, <clears throat> matters of the heart. Uh, there is nowhere in our life where the heart isn't the most important thing to be engaged, if you will. Uh, if you ask any good counselor, uh, any good counselor is not merely going to give you classical conditioning techniques to sanctify your flesh into action. But a good counselor is going to deal with the heart of the matter and get down to the core of what is broken in order to see it be fixed from the inside out. Um, the heart is the most important part of your life. No matter how well you dress, 
it doesn't cover up your heart. No matter how well you do your hair, it doesn't cover up your heart. No matter where you live and what zip code you live in, it doesn't cover up the needs of your heart, no matter what kind of car you drive, no matter how many degrees, as good as that is to add to your life, it does not deal um, with the matters of the heart. And if the glory of God and Jesus Christ are the exalted uh, sort of thematics, if you will, in the Bible in relation to its central nature, uh, if you will, uh, the, 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 the thing that God is after in, his, in being after his glory and us seeing and knowing Jesus is that in both of them from Genesis to Revelations, he is after your heart and my heart. Yes, yes. That, 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 it, 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 God knows if you want to change anything, you have to change it on a heart level. You, 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 if you, if you want to change a marriage, it has to be changed on a heart level. If you want to change a single person, it has to be changed on a heart level. If you want to change parenting, it has to be changed on a heart level. If you want to change domestic violence, it has to be changed on a heart level. If, if you want to change racism uh, in our world, it has to be uh, not legislated, but change. Legislation is important uh, to bring law protection, but it doesn't deal with the pragmatics of the need for the heart to be changed and the heart to be transformed. And for you to really believe on a heart level something different because we see that reality so uh, potently put in this pericope here. We see that Paul is helping us to be more uh, 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 aware of where our identity comes from and where true change comes from. So we're talking to the Corinthian church, the Corinthian church, as you know, if you've trekked with us through 1 Corinthians, and through 2 Corinthians are immature believers, but believers at that. And in being believers, Paul is believing that even in the midst of their constant states of spiritual immaturity, that their sanctification is worth salvaging. No matter how immature you are in here as a believer, whether in natural maturity or spiritual maturity, it's never too late for your sanctification to be salvaged as long as you have breath in your life. And so Paul comes to this passage and he's trying to push and to challenge the Corinthians in view of him, but also in view of him themselves and in view of the spirit of God through the gospel of God, which in matters of the heart brings me to my first point. We want to deal with matters of the heart. Number one, you got to recognize that the gospel affirms the sufficiency of our value, not people's affirmation. The gospel affirms the sufficiency of our value, not people's affirmation. Amen. Paul goes in verse 1 and he says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? In other words, Paul, Paul says, do I have to, me and my team have to reintroduce to you why we are valuable to you? Mm -hmm. uh, um, um, in, in, in other words, the Corinthians have started to devalue Paul and his team's gospel uh, 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 influence and investment 
in their life, which in turn began to, for them to devalue God's investment into their life. And because they began to devalue God's investment into their life, they began to live outside of the sphere of their identity. In other words, when, whenever your value in the kingdom of God under Christ's blood begins to lower, uh, it is because of a lack of commitment to recognize where your identity is truly found. And so Paul is trying to let them know, even if you don't value us, we're valuable. But, 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 but what's interesting, has you, have you ever done something for somebody, been, been, done a whole bunch of stuff for them, and, 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 and they literally act like you ain't never done nothing for them? I mean, some, on, some, on some nerve ministry, right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, literally, like, you ain't never, I mean, you've invested, you poured in, you did all of this, and it's like, you ain't, you ain't really, you know, it's nothing like it, a person that you never can satisfy giving them something. And, 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 and thanklessness and a lack of gratitude is a sign of deep brokenness. And so Paul begins challenging uh, the Corinthians on their lack of gratitude for God's investment in, th- in them through him. Because if they reject Paul, they're rejecting everything he brought with him, thereby rejecting God's deep impact and influence on the core um, of their lives. And so he says, he says, uh, he says, are we beginning? He said, do I have to even go through this again? Do I like got to pull out my resume? You know what I'm saying? Do I have to like come to you in a way that I would have to come to a stranger? He said, but we're not strangers in this. And you're going to see as we move through how he's going to engage the heart in this issue. Check it out. He says, or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? I like this. So, so, so Paul, is, Paul is putting them on slight blast here. So what he's doing, see, recommendations in our day are different than in their day. Like recommendation letters in their day, in our day, is more like 25% of you being able to get into something. It, it helps it, but it's not the whole of what someone looks at when they look at either bringing you to school or even hiring you. That's, that's a part of the picture. Um, but in their day, a recommendation letter was 100% what they utilized to affirm you. Now, you got to understand in their day, they didn't have social media. They didn't have phones and communication. You know what I'm saying? So what had to happen is like when you're traveling, you know what I'm saying? Somebody would tell you, look, go to June Bug's crib on 18th and Dolphin. Um, and when you get there, just knock on the door and give them the letter. You understand what I'm saying? So they, the, when they would travel, they would go and they would have a letter. So they knock on somebody's crib house. They parked their little donkey. The blow, blow, blow. Three o'clock in the morning. Blow, blow, blow. Knock on the door. And do you know, people back then, you could come to their house midnight, three in the morning, because that's what the culture was like. Don't come to my house um, <laughs> three in the morning. You know what I'm saying? Because sanctification may not be girded at that time. You know what I'm saying? When I get into REM sleep, it, you know, I'm not a Christian at that time. You know what I'm saying? So if you wake me up from REM sleep, it's a whole different... It, help us, Lord. And you know most of y'all are like that. Amen. Because some of y'all worship sleep. But yet I digress. And so what happened is... What happened is they knock on the door and they open the door up and, and they'd be like, Oh, it's, who are you? You know, and they'd be like, Oh, here's the letter. They'd be like, Oh, come on in and just let them in the crib. You know what I'm saying? Like back then, it ain't happening today. You could bring letters, subpoenas, you know. But, but, but in their day, in their day, a, a, a recommendation was everything. Wow. Paul is saying, after all I've done for you, my, 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 my. 
after all I've invested in you, do you mean to tell me that I maybe need someone to recommend my value to you? See, you got to be careful of finding your value in people's value of you. Because, see, many of us are living our lives in the phantom zone. And what I mean by that is we're living to impress ghosts. And so what happened is, 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 is our rubric for our identity is showing someone we're valuable based on trying to achieve. And so what happens is you don't live your life based on the value that Christ has given it. You're living your life's value out to prove something to someone that don't even care about you anyway. And so every post that you put out, every picture that you put out, every accomplishment you put out is to impress somebody. Now, Paul isn't trying to impress them. He's trying to recall to them, help them recall, listen, what I invested in you is enough for you to value me. And so Paul is going to push forward and say, you should not not understand it. Paul doesn't find his value in their value of him. However, because he has a relationship and commitment to continuing to minister to them, he wants them to value them in order that he can communicate to them. And so what, but, but if they continue to push him away, Paul would walk away. In, in other words, if someone doesn't let you, this is a heart issue, and we won't get into this even more deeply, uh, 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 continue uh, to be an influence and help in their life, there's only but so much you can do for a person. You can't prove to anybody why you need to be in their life. You, you can't do it. The person has to value it themselves. As a matter of fact, and Paul reversed it. He said, so do we need a recommendation letter for you? Or let me just put it this way. He, I mean, he's talking like pops. You know what I'm saying? Like He's like, or do you need to write me a recommendation letter so that when I preach the gospel, you give me credibility? So, so he's sort of lightly doing some rib punch ministry on them, just a little cacao, just to let them know. I, I done done too much for you for you to add anything to me. Like, you don't add value to me. The th- uh, 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 and, and he'll show them why in a second to help them to really understand this whole idea of this. He says, uh, n- next point, heart development is the deepest level of development we can make. Heart development is the deepest level of development we can make. Look at, look at the text. Look at verse 2. He says, you yourselves are our letter of recommendation. This is dope. Now, you got to understand, <clears throat> Paul is telling the Corinthians, when people look at your lives, your life, based on my impact on it, is a recommendation letter for my value that I've invested in you. Now, you got to understand, the Corinthian church was some messed up people, messed up. But you got to understand, all of us are hypocrites in process. Before you look over your nose real quick, okay? So what had happened right here in the text, right, is Paul is basically saying to us, like, y'all messed up, but y'all ain't as messed up as you were. Okay, let me see if I can make plan. Um, some, some people may look at me and be like, Pastor, you a hypocrite, whatever. I'm saying, well, I am a hypocrite. But... I'm not the hypocrite I used to be. Okay? See, see, the gospel makes me less of a hypocrite. 
So any movement in my life is a movement towards not being a hypocrite, but I'm less of a hypocrite because of the work of the God. In other words, the gospel is enough in your life to make you less of what you were. And somebody may look at where you are and say nothing's happened in your life. But if you gave them a videotape of the potency of the concentrated mess of what they see that's less of the mess that it was when it was clean from when God cleaned it, boom, they wouldn't know how messed up you were in the process. And the fact that God took you better than today than where you were yesterday. Listen, that, that's, 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 that's the key to that thing, is that, is that, is that the gospel, the, listen, heart issues is about l- us being less of what we were. Now, Paul is going to raise that up a whole bunch because Paul is saying to them, look at the investment that I made. Now, look at how powerful this is. And he's going to deal with a deep heart issue here. When you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, it says, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Hold on, Paul. So they're doing this stuff presently. But he says, you were that. Let me see if I can make um, In other words, when you get saved, you are no longer what you were before you trusted Christ, even though you're still doing some of those things. Because your identity is not in what you do, but what's been done for you. Listen, 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 listen. I want you to hear this. The key to spiritual growth is realizing that you were. Y'all, y'all, y'all didn't get that. It, it, see, see it went, the more you realize that you were, you'll be like, now I know who I are. <laughs> in, 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 other, in other words, when you say I was, now you're committing adultery right now, but you were that. Then then you're like, dang, I was this, but I'm doing this. You're in the, I'm I'm walking, but but I'm not homosexual. Pride, I was this. Then if I was this, why am I doing this now? Because what happens is, is you're saying, if I'm not this, then what in the world am I doing here? See, that's what that's the key to spiritual growth is realizing the depth of identity that Christ has given to you. And when you begin to plunge yourself into who Christ has made you to be, you will begin to deconstruct who you were so that you can, by God's grace, move into being all that God wants you to be. But you have to embrace the fact that that's not you anymore. Um, I, I can remember when I was in college and I trusted Christ. November 15th, 1992. Remember it. And my life got really weird because I didn't get good discipleship. I didn't have any discipleship. So all I had was where I was. So what I would do is I would go and I'd get some drugs, get with the dudes, and we'd be in the room. And I'd start getting at it, and it just didn't seem the same for some reason. 
He's like, what's wrong with me? I'm supposed to get high. <laughs> like, I'm like, what, what, why do, what is this feeling I got in me? Why do I feel different? Try to mess with some honeys, you know what I'm saying? Wasn't the same. So what is this thing happening to me? What is, what is going on? It's it just like somebody was literally inside of me, twisting all of my organs and mushing them together. I said, why am I uncomfortable in my sin? Uh, why? why? I, I, I mean, I used to, this used to be freeing. I said, I can't even sin in peace no more. What has happened to me? I'm like, I want to, I, I literally want to wow out. And the Lord was saying to me, you were this. But now that you're mine, I'm here to make you uncomfortable. Hi, you can't stay in this mess no more. Because what gets you high doesn't change you. What are you, and so he takes me to what I'm hiding from. I ain't want to go do all that. I'm like, this is too deep. I just want to go to heaven. <laughs> just let me go to heaven and I'll see you then. But for now, let me get at this money. Let me get at these honeys and let me get high. Boom. And God was like, well, I messed your whole life up. And when you get saved, your life is never the same. Never. And if, and family, if, if you can remain the same, his you are not. His you are not. Paul says, this letter of recommendation is written on our hearts, and it's to be known by all. He's talking about, he said it's written on our hearts. Paul's saying, <coughs> listen, I got a heart for you. I love you guys. He's going to change how he uses the letter in a second, <coughs> real, real deep. <coughs> but he says, he says uh, you yourselves are our recommendation letter, so that when people see how different your life is, they know that God exists. Listen, the transformational work that God is doing in your life in the proximity of non-Christians is to show people that God lives. Right. That, that's real simple, that people should be shook by the change that happens in your life. Because God deals with stuff on a heart level, not an external level. Externals change when God deals with the heart. Always. Now, now I got to move <laughs> because he's helping us through this and giving us some great wisdom. It's written on our hearts to be read by all. So how is it read by all? Through our character. Character. When God is changing your character, people are going to read it. You're a letter. You're a living epistle. A living letter walking the streets of the Delaware Valley. On the trolley, on the train, at work, in the classroom, in the pub, wherever you are. You are different and in process, and people will notice by God's grace the noticeable redemption that is taking place every single day as you are being renewed. Yes. That's what I love about the goodness of the gospel. Being a Christian is different. It's not just an announcement or a piece of paper into a, a form of religiosity, but it's brand spanking newness from the inside out. And so he takes us here 
He says it's read by all. Then he says, look at this. Uh, he says, and you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us. Help me today, God. Written not with ink, but with the spirit of God, the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Yes. Now, let me just tell y'all in advance. I am exegetically, homiletically, and expositionally incapable to unpack the, 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 the pragmatic and theological massivity of the depths of this text by which God has spoken and breathed this with the highest level of infinitude to infinity, but I will try. This is massive, what happens here. So he says, you are our recommendation letter, written by Christ. Then it says, worked in us by the Spirit of God. So we see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, the triune clit, working together. It took the whole Godhead to save you. Okay, you should have shouted right there. Okay, you, you, missed, the, you missed your shouting moment. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit work together to get you. Okay, anyway. So, he says, and, and, and listen, this is what he said. He said, you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us. So he says, when I preached, I was really a conduit of God making you a letter. So if I can make it plain, <clears throat> God gives the believer an uncrashable hard drive. Okay. You're going to have to eventually get a new phone. You're going to have to eventually get new technology. But God's eternal. God, did you know the soul is eternal technology? You didn't know that, did you? And when God transformed, it's, techno it's eternal. Technology was created by God. Man is just using Imago Day for his own human fantasies. But, but technology is God's work. The fact that the sun is, 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 is revolves around the sun, that's technology. And it spins on its access. And that we're uh, 300, I mean, all of this is, so our souls, the material and the immaterial is technology. So God has given you a hard drive to download everything he has for you on into your heart. Help me today, God. And so what he does is the spirit of God applies what Christ has done for us to our lives. Okay, help me. So when he says this is done by the spirit of God, what happens is this. It's so, Jeremiah, come here, come here, come here. So what happens, take a seat right there, there you go. So what happens is you're unsaved, you, you can't see anything. You can't see nothing. You can't see nothing. You're blind. We're going to see that in the, next, in the next chapter. The Holy Spirit goes and takes a, 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 a washcloth, dips it in the eternal blood of Christ, comes to your soul, and scrubs you off. As he's scrubbing you off, as he's, as he's scrubbing you off, you become born again. He does this. He takes the veil off of your eyes. Then he gives you faith. Then he sends someone to preach the gospel to you, and you're able to respond based on him working on you first. <laughs> now, now, no, 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 watch, watch what Paul said. He said, but this is done by the Spirit of God. And immediately you're given a new heart. 
Now he says what happens is on the down, on the drive, he puts an operating system. In, 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 in Ezekiel 36, verses 25 through 27, it says he takes away the heart of stone and gives us a heart of Okay, stay right here, because this is, this is dope stuff right here. So, so, so what, what, what he does is he does that. Now, God, see, you don't know this, but the text says in Ezekiel 36 that God downloads the law onto your heart. Because Christ fulfilled the law. So now the law won't be just something you stare at on a stone tablet. But now it's in your heart. And so your life is movement towards heart submission to the law that Christ already fulfilled in you. Y'all know, oh, help me today, help me today. And so, and so now what happens though? He says, so the spirit didn't write on tablets of stone. This is, this is, this is crazy right here. He says, but it's written on human hearts. This is nasty than a mug right here. So when you saw God, how did God do the law the first time when he did the, the Ten Commandments? It said, the Bible says the finger of God in the form of fire etched out stones out of the mountain and he wrote in stone. Somebody following me. And, 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 and when the people, when Moses saw that they broke the law, he threw the stones down and they broke. And God had to redo, again, the tablets because God's people broke the law. <sighs> Help me today. And so, and so, and so, and so what he says, stay, stay with me, stay with me. So what he says is, God isn't writing on stone anymore. <laughs> Help me today. In other words, you and I had hearts of what? So the stone tablets represented the hard hearts of lost people. And even if he etched it on a stony heart, it still was unable to keep the law. And so instead of ever writing on stone again, he used the sacred nature of the tablets. Where were the tablets placed? In the what? Ark. Oh, y'all going to get it in a second. He, he, he placed it in the ark. So now that you've been renewed by Christ, Christ has taken away literally the heart of stone out of you. This is, this is, this is gone. And he's taken new, the, the heart represents value, affections, and will. Value in that you're able to now think the thoughts of God on a finite level and have affections for him, and be able to have your will taken out of bondage where you can obey him now. He puts that in you. He put that in you. Then allow you to walk in his statutes. This is powerful. So now, since you are functionally changed on a heart level, your sanctification is about you coming to terms with the fact that that's who you are now. Um, let me see if I can make this a little plain. Um, y'all know my hatred for hummus. Y'all know I hate hummus. 
But, um, interestingly enough, at Whole Foods and at Fresh Grocer, I found this hummus, this tomato basil hummus. It has the anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage. <laughs> and I tell you, I tell you, I get some carrot sticks and some, and some, and some, and some cucumbers, cut the mugs up and go yag out and hit it. And I love it now and the flavor is great but my mind has changed towards hummus because I found a hummus that actually is attractive and it's tasty. And on the back end, I actually get health value from it. So when the gospel changes you, God gives you affections for the gospel. He causes you to taste things and do things that you would have never, ever done in your life. God will change your taste buds. You, you're not, listen, if you feel weird as a Christian, you're in a very good place. Right. You're supposed to be weird. You're supposed to not always try to fit in. You're supposed to feel weird. Stop trying to adjust your heart to a changing culture. I'm not trying to say be a jerk, but it's good to feel uncomfortable. You shouldn't try to make yourself feel good about being around sin so that people won't think you're a jerk Christian. That's right, that's right. Some of us need to let ourselves bask in the in uncomfortable nature of being insulated but not isolated. Yes. Jesus' prayer was don't take them out of the world but keep them while they're in it. So God insulates you in a broken world where you're going to feel weird in, and sometimes you're going to like, but then you don't like that you like certain aspects of it because your heart is wrestling with the old nature of the residue of your flesh. And God is saying to you, feel uncomfortable. This is powerful. That God is writing on your heart and he's downloading truth to stay there. It's the work of God in your salvation to help you in that reality, see, the old heart was heavy from sin, deceitful and wicked. Who can know it? The Bible says. It devised evil constantly. One text says it's an open grave. The heart used to be stubborn and unresponsive to truth. Now you have a new heart. It has renewed thought renewed affections, a renewed commitment to God, and is lightened by forgiveness, by faith. It obeys the Lord. That's the heart you have. You have a heart that can obey. You can obey the Lord. Did you know that you can obey? Some of y'all don't think you can obey. Listen, you can, but Christ does it through you. You're supposed to be different. You're supposed to feel weird. You're supposed to wrestle. See, when you know what great salvation you got, nobody ain't got to make you pray. Nobody got to make you get in the word of God because it's flavorful and tasty to the saint who's been trained by the renewing power of Christ. It's glorious and magnificent, this new heart. And you should invest in your new heart. He says, such 
Verse 4, I got to get out of your way. I want to stay long. He says, such is the confidence that we have through Christ towards you. What is the confidence that he has? That you're able to live a Christian life that honors the Lord and that draws people to him. That's the confidence. The confidence is not in the Corinthians. It's in God's investment in them as his recommendation letter in the world. So you ought to be a recommendation letter in the world where you proclaim the gospel to people to recommend that they become Christians. And, and they look at your life and watch God's work, and God uses it as a drawing technique to pull them into the faith. And so this is the confidence that we have in our lives. And he says, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything that's coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. That don't need exegesis. Your sufficiency, your value, your value, woman of God, comes from the Lord. Feminism doesn't define you. That's a hyper response to masculinity. So in other words, to hyper femininity above masculinity because of the oppression men have placed on it, you're a feminist which is anti-Christ. So find your identity in Christ and you'll find biblical femininity. (laughs) Same with men. You find your your identity in being masculine, being like this, and and, and what happens is this is a hyper-reaction to not wanting to be gay. I don't want nobody to see me as being a gay. And so what I do is I ask hyper-masculine. You don't find your identity how much weight you lift, how fast you run, how strong. You find your identity in Christ. That's where your sufficiency is. Your sufficiency, woman of God, is not getting married. Can I just apply this for five five seconds? Listen, listen, listen. your sufficiency, you are not going to be a better woman when you get married. God can make you a great woman without a husband. So stop thinking your desired inclinations will change because God loves to put people in your life that sanctify you. And God is only going to put a husband in your life to show you that he's not enough. I'm just telling y'all, I'm just telling y'all, whatever you trust in that you ask God for, when he gives it to you, he gives it to you to sanctify you. And he gives it to you to show you how empty it is in comparison to him. Which, hold on, listen, 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 listen. Which does what was supposed to be done before you got married in the first place and just draw you back to him. That's all. I'm just telling you. So, if you got more money, you still would be broke. If you got a bigger house, you'd still be broke. If you got more education, you still, if you don't recognize that God is sufficient, that God is enough, that God is your all in all, you're going to find yourself 
frustrated. God loves to give you what you want so that you can see what you need. He loves it. He loves it. The all-sufficient, all-powerful, almighty, all-present, all-knowing, all-powerful God of the universe. He's enough. He is enough. And your life's work on a heart level is for your heart to meet the Bible. If you lose weight, you're still going to be dissatisfied with yourself. If you natural your hair out, you're still going to be dissatisfied. <laughs> Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm just telling y'all. I'm just telling y'all. I'm saying all this to say that enough of anything on this earth is never going to be enough. And that's so that you can see the all-sufficiency of God who all he wants to do is deal with your heart. And he wants to challenge your heart because if he changed your heart, everything in your life changes. I'm done. Father, we honor you and thank you that you are enough. And many times in our life, it is hard to recognize that the mighty one is enough. Very hard. It's, it's, the, it's, it's the unwinding reality of us still searching for what we already have. God told Israel, he says, says, you search and you build with cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water at all. But I am the river of flowing water that never ends. God is the God of unending satisfaction. When Jesus tells the woman by the well, I am the living water, he's saying, I, I'm enough. And on that experience, she ran and got a city. What an amazing reality. Being spiritually bankrupt is a blessing. Because being spiritually bankrupt, bankruptcy in our world qualifies you for nothing. But in heaven's reality, bankruptcy qualifies you for salvation. <laughs> because you know you have nothing. And you know there's nothing you can do to bring to the table. Maybe you're here and you're realizing you're...